0: Paint the town red doesn't mean blood, as the scorned painter who was out for mine seems to have misunderstood. One summer long ago, I worked for a house-painting company made of many small franchises, preying on college students for underpaid and overworked employees. Said indentured servants' workforce uh, generally returned to school in late August, and the franchise would close until next summer. I was a lackey who hired everyone, formed crews, met with customers, transported materials, etc. AKA, my boss's job, but he preferred, you know, not doing it. Late in the summer, my boss decided to continue into the fall months so he could make more money, while depriving me even further of the will to live, so I had to hire people who were in the painting business, but for whatever reason, couldn't find a job with a reputable company, and so had no option but to work with us. Yay. Enter Jim. Jim was a veteran, about 45 years old, which was far above my usual 18 to 22 hiring demographic, but had impressed me over the phone. As I was essentially painting entire houses myself, or with a skeleton crew, until I could scrounge up more workers, I didn't interview him in person, just told him to show up, ready to go, and to meet me and a crew at a new job site, 9am Monday. Life happens, as it does, and I had a family emergency that prohibited me from being there on Monday. Some of my summer workers who didn't go off to school would be there, so I texted them explaining them to help Jim get used to the way we worked, and to make sure to keep it basic. If he were having trouble, send him home and he'd start over with me the next day. 9.45 am. My phone is blown up with texts and calls. I'm at a wake, but I slip outside to hiss into the phone. I'm staring at a dead family member, and you know this, now, what? Jim. Jim isn't okay. What do you mean? He's he's fucking insane. He's ruining this person's roof and he won't listen to us. He keeps screaming at us to shut the fuck up. Well, I thought Jim had a point with the last part, since my crew spent more time talking than painting. But I digress. In their infinite wisdom, my crew stuck this new dude up on the roof to paint a teeny space which would take about five minutes with a brush. Homeboy pulls out a nine-inch roller and goes to town, swooping the thing up and down like a skateboarder on a halfpipe so the entire black roof area below him is covered in beige paint. I tell him to get down and send him home. I'll deal with it after the wake. I tell my boss what's going on. He brushes it off, saying that Jim called him to apologize and tell him he could bring his cousin, Oscar, a guy who's apparently worked as a painter in a union, to the next job. Boss doesn't consult me, says it's fine, and I have to deal. Great. New job site, new day. I still hate my life. Oscar isn't in a union, but he did work as a painter for over a decade, until he was put in jail for armed robbery, a jail stint that he was fresh out of as of a week ago. To Oscar's credit, he was very polite, respectful, and deferent. Yes, bow before me. I had asked to speak to him alone before I let him set foot on my job site, and he was completely upfront about his jail time and what led to it, answering any questions I had. I was convinced, and he did an excellent job, My boss stopped by for the first time in forever and was also impressed by Oscar. So impressed, they decided Oscar and Jim would take on a job by themselves. A job that was mostly trim work for a family of mom, pop, and three daughters. Fifteen, eleven, and seven. He also decided that he would take care of all the customer interaction with the exception of me dropping off the extra tall ladder halfway through to reach one ridiculously small but very high piece. Sure, fine. Halfway through the job, two days in, I show up like a good peon, massive ladder in tow. Jim is listening to music, and I see Oscar furtively look at him, then wave to me to keep driving and park around the corner. I love me some drama, don't care about anything anymore, so I do. Oscar sprints to my car and tells me that Jim has been making the owners and their daughters very uncomfortable, and my boss had been ignoring their calls. Oscar told them privately to wait until the day I came, and he would make sure I talked to them. I thanked Oscar, told him that I would deal with it right then, and requested he hang around and proceed as if everything is fine, in case I need his assistance in any capacity. I pulled into the driveway, nodded at Jim, and knocked on the door. I was pulled in, almost immediately, by a frantic and hot mother. The family was Russian, so I was treated to a deluge of information that I could mostly understand, but the rest made me think Red from OINTB found out I didn't like her food. Apparently, Jim had been very opportunistic about his latter positions as he worked on the second floor of the house, and they were conveniently always able to see directly into the girls' bedrooms, which he took pictures of on his phone. He also made multiple comments to the girls as they came home from school, that were a sizable step over the line of pedophilia, but a freaking football field past the line of how you speak to a customer or their kids, period. Massively inappropriate sexual innuendos, the works. I manage to keep myself from melting into the floor and promise them that this will be dealt with immediately. With that, I walk out to confront Jim. I ask if I can use his phone, because mine was dead, and after he hands it over, I find almost a hundred pictures of the various bedrooms from every angle possible, zoomed in, etc. He sees me open the pictures from his position on the ladder and starts flying down and screaming at me, and Oscar puts himself in between us, yelling at Jim to calm down. Jim panics and flees for his car, leaving his phone with me. Police were called, and I handed the phone over. Was interviewed. Poor Oscar almost had a panic attack, but they said they would work with the family and take it from there. Great. I finished the job with Oscar, we get tipped, and the family thanked us for our role in helping them, as they didn't really know how to handle what Jim was doing. Time passes, and I'm home watching TV in the living room. It's about 9 p.m., Light floods the room as a car pulls up my neighbor's driveway with its high beams on. I don't care, I continue watching TV. A few minutes pass and I hear yelling from the neighbor's house. I look out the window and it's Jim's car in the driveway because my boss had given him my home address as where to pick up the checks at the end of each week. He got confrontational, yelling at the neighbors where was I when really all he had to do was turn around to see my idiotic, slack-jawed face staring out the window about six feet away. Then, he pulled out a handgun and started motioning at the wife. Before I can even register this is actually happening, or grab my own gun, which I would have heroically used to shoot myself in the foot or something, my living room is filled with red and blue lights as multiple police cars pull up and consequently arrest Jim. Jim had four guns in the passenger seat of his car one of which was an AR-15, and another a shotgun. He apparently had only taken one out to wave over his head, leaving the other three in the car because he wasn't 100% sure which house was mine. My neighbors are elderly, nosy, snarky, and call the cops on any and everything of little to no consequence. They called as soon as his beater car pulled up in their driveway, and their knee-jerk 911 reaction likely saved my life. Let's not meet again, Jim. Also, you suck at painting. I don't even think he lives here. Long time lurker, hoping I would never have a story to share. Unfortunately, two weeks ago it started. In hindsight, I guess it started a long time ago. My now husband and I moved in together almost four years ago to a rather nice, albeit expensive apartment complex in a sort of nice part of town. We are on the third floor with a large balcony that looks out onto the courtyard in which other apartments in the complex are located. Basically, you can see the other balconies and living rooms of the other tenants, and the open stairwells. A year went by without a hitch. My husband works at a bar, so he comes home late, while I usually make it home around 5. It is easy to get to any apartment doorway, as the complex is large and open with no security doors except the door to the apartment. It started in August of 2016. I would be home after work, chilling and watching TV almost always around 9.30. I could hear someone come up the stairs. Things would be quiet, and all of a sudden, loud sharp knocks on my door. I did not move because it was startling, but eventually went to look at the people. There stood three people, all with black hoodies on, all seemingly staring at the peephole like they could see me. I did not answer the door and after a while, they left. Cue a few weeks later, same time, but this incident's footsteps and then loud hard bangs on the door that sent my cat flying to hide. I sat frozen, but said to myself, maybe police. I made it to the peephole once again, this time staring out at one person, dark hoodie, male, white, and very, very gaunt with huge black eyes. Again did not answer the door, and grabbed a kitchen knife that I kept by my side until my husband came home. This continued for weeks, and once when my husband was home, he proceeded to look out of the peephole, saw the same man and screamed for him to leave, and he did. We both called maintenance and the police, who both stated that they would do regular patrols but nothing else, and suggested cameras. Everything stopped for a while, Maybe six months during the winter, which helped me be at ease because when all of this was happening, I was having a very hard time sleeping and stopped going out at night. However, I assumed the same man started up again. Except this time, the same large bangs on the door would happen. But when I would look out of the peephole, no one was there. I then became horrified as I started to notice extinguished cigarette butts by the side of my door like someone was standing and waiting. Again, reported it. Security stepped up in the area, but I still did not feel safe. I was hoping it would just stop as I felt tortured in my own home, but as I realized two weeks ago, things could be much worse. At night, to go to bed, I would have to cross our eating area, which was right in front of our giant glass sliding door that led out to our balcony. It was late at night lights off in the apartment. As I walk by, I glance over and across the courtyard. I see the same man standing on the landing of the stairs across the way from the second to the third floor, staring right at my balcony. Just standing there, unmoved, facing in the direction of me, the same man at my door. I went numb. Heart racing, chill to the bone. I know he couldn't have seen me because the lights were off and the stairway had lights of its own, but I was still scared shitless. I called my husband, who rushed over, but the man had left. More reports to the front office, more promised security patrols. This same creepy, dead-eyed man in the black hoodie continued to stand at the stairway landing, staring at my apartment, It has now been two weeks, and he does this every Friday. I am horrified, and have been having awful nightmares about someone breaking in and strangling me in my sleep. So, creepy black-eyed man, please, let's not ever meet CREEPY PHOTOGRAPHER FROM MY MODELING DAYS When I was 13, I started modeling. I did fairly well, but I honestly hated the business. They were really strict about my weight. I couldn't dye my hair or have any piercings without permission. And they would often check in to make sure I hadn't gone against their wishes. Fast forward two years to me being 15. One day, I got an email from a fitness photographer. This wasn't uncommon for me to get random emails because my agency would give my email out once they booked me something. This was also about 12 years ago, and back then I naively didn't worry too much about anything. You know, the common teenage mentality of nothing's ever going to happen to me. In the email, the photographer told me he'd like to do a shoot and the compensation he promised me, well, I would have made more money than I ever have for any of my other shoots. So, obviously being money-driven, I emailed him back, told him, yes, I'd be interested. And he sent me one back after that, saying that he needed some sample photos of my calves, my feet, my backside, and my breasts to make sure that I had the physique he wanted. I was a little cautious, but I thought, you know, he's offering me a lot of money. I should probably do what he's asking or he's going to find somebody else. And that's exactly what he wanted. He wanted me to feel the pressure to send him the pictures. And I did feel the pressure. Of course, I had it in the back of my mind that I shouldn't do it, but the money sounded so good. I sent the pictures clothed, and he said he couldn't tell my proper sizing, and I needed to send him nude photos. I declined this, and told him I would be willing to set up a meeting, and his assistant can take measurements, but... I would not send nude photos over the internet. He set up a meeting, but cancelled last minute. A few weeks later, he was on the news. He got busted for child pornography, and shocker, he was not a fitness photographer. Who knows what could have happened to me, had I actually gone to meet him. I never found out how he even got my email. My agency said they never spoke with him. So creepy photographer man. I'm so glad you cancelled our meeting. I'm so glad I never had to meet you face to face. I'm pretty sure I almost became a murdered babysitter, urban legend. Two years ago, right around Halloween, I was babysitting for these two ladies who each had a son. They wanted to go out, so I stayed at one of their houses and watched their boys. It was around 8pm, and the boys were sitting on the couch, playing on their iPads and whatnot, when somebody knocked on the door. I asked them if, if anyone was supposed to come over, and they, and they both said no. I go over and check the eye hole in the door and it's some guy in a grey hoodie, deliberately hunched over so I can't see his face. Immediately, I'm like nope, nope, nope and don't say anything and start pacing around because I don't want to give him any inclination we're inside. A couple minutes later, I checked outside the little window through the curtains and he's gone. I didn't want to spook the kids anymore and there weren't any more knocks so I just kind of let it go as a prank. Cut to a few hours later, and the moms get back. They ask me how everything was, and I say the kids were great, but somebody had come to the door. They ask me what time, and I say around 8. And one of the moms start freaking out and going through her phone. The other one tells me that right around that time, somebody had been making strange phone calls to them on a blocked number. They had disguised their voice, and were saying things like, I can see you through your window. They didn't think it was serious because it didn't make any sense in the context of where they were, but in retrospect, were almost positive it was me he was looking at through the window. They escorted me to my car, and I touched base later, and apparently nothing strange ever happened after that. But I'm just really glad I didn't open that door, because I have a feeling in my gut, it would have been really... Bad Club Penguin is a dangerous place. Okay, so I have quite a few crazy stories. I'm not sure why, but a lot of crazy stuff has happened to me in the past. But this experience is one that I don't really like to talk about. It's just very unsettling and uncomfortable. But I feel like sharing might do me some good. So, let me begin. Okay, for starters, if you don't know what Club Penguin is, it was a virtual world where you played as a penguin. You could chat with people from all over the world, customize your penguin, change its color, buy its clothes, decorate its house, play games, do missions, and you even had pets you could take care of. It was actually a pretty cool game, but definitely not as safe for kids as its advertisements made it out to be. Uh, don't get me wrong, it had chat filters, loads of warnings on the site about not sharing personal info, reporting and blocking options, and all the good safety jazz. And there was also, of course, an age limit. Now, all that being said, I will never understand how people develop games like this and think that everything is going to be peachy. Kids aren't stupid. They know how to get around the safety stuff, and more importantly, adults know how to take advantage of it. This is a story about how I was taken advantage of by an adult posing as a child on Club Penguin. Obviously, I was very young when all this happened. I don't remember exact digits, but I want to say I was about seven or eight. I had a basic little Club Penguin account with a random name, and I had lots of friends on there because I was a bit of a loner in school, only having about one or two friends that weren't even in most of my classes. Like most kids, I made up for my lack of socialization online, and I tried to make friends with anyone I found interesting. Well, one day I met a black penguin. He had a pretty generic name like Cool Dude with a bunch of numbers after it or something. He was really interesting though. He said he was my age and he liked a lot of the same things I did. We'd often spend time shopping for our penguins together or decorating our eagle houses while chatting up a storm about just about anything. TV shows, books, music, school, etc. We talked for about two weeks and eventually I told him my first name. Stupid. I know. After I told him my name, he asked me if I had a phone, or if I had Facebook, and at the time I didn't, so he said we could just keep talking on Club Penguin. Over time though, I eventually stopped going online as often, and he'd tell me he missed talking to me whenever I came on, and things like that. Eventually, there was a time where I didn't get on for almost two weeks. I should mention that at the time, being so young, I didn't write emails or even check my email, so my parents and my older brother kept track of it for me. One day, my brother told me that a guy was emailing me and he asked me who it was. I looked at the emails and recognized the username as the same one the boy had on his Club Penguin account. I told my brother he was a friend of mine that I met on Club Penguin. He said I didn't need to be giving out my email like that because I didn't know who this person could really be. I tried to tell my brother that I hadn't given out my email to anyone, but he didn't believe me at the time and just told me that it was okay but not to do it again and he blocked the email. I logged on to Club Penguin the next day. The boy never mentioned the emails, so neither did I. We just hung out and chatted like always. Another week went by, and my brother came in my room to check my computer like he always did, but this time was different. My brother told me to leave the room for some reason, and told me to go get my mom. Later in life, I found out that this boy was not a boy at all but a man in maybe his 30s or 40s. And my parents believe he had hacked my Club Penguin account to get my email so he could start sending me nude photos of himself. My inbox was flooded with pictures of him fully exposed and messages saying that he loved me and that he wanted to meet me in person. I felt violated when I found out. To this day, it still bothers me to think about it. So to the guy from Club Penguin, let's not meet. What was she planning to do to me? One time, I went to the bar with one of my friends. I had just turned 21, so I haven't been to many bars up to that point. My friend was drinking on the way to the bar, so he was already pretty drunk when we got there. When I sat at the bar, a cute girl came and talked to me and my friend. She said her name was Candice, and I noticed she had really bright red hair. I assumed she dyed it. It was pretty, but unnatural. Anyways, this girl was flirting with me and my friend. She could tell my friend was already very drunk. To be honest, I played along like I was drunk already too, since it seemed to be working for my friend. I didn't know if she was just trying to get free drinks, so I told her we didn't have much money. She offered to buy us drinks. She kept buying us drinks, and I started to get confused as to who she liked between me and my friend. My friend went to the bathroom. Before he came back, the bouncers kicked him out. He was too drunk. Candace and I went outside with him. She kept telling him to go home with her. He was so out of it, he could barely answer her. I told her he was too drunk and that I couldn't let him go anywhere. I didn't want him to wake up hungover in some random house with no car and no idea what happened. Candace kept pushing it, saying that she would take care of him. But I told her no, because I had to stay with him. I was more sober than him. He was my responsibility. I told her the only way he was going anywhere was if I tagged along. I assumed she thought that I was only jealous or cock blocking, but my friend could barely stand and lost interest in Candace already at that point. She immediately started flirting with me and offered to get my friend a taxi to drive him home and said we could go to her place alone. At this point, I had a few drinks and I was pretty buzzed, so I agreed. We took my friend to the taxi and walked to her car. I slightly stumbled on the way to her car. "'Wow, you're pretty drunk, huh?' she said, smiling as she held onto my arm. "'Yeah,' I said. "'I don't know why, but I just felt slightly shy and anxious. "'Everything was happening too easy for me, so I felt uneasy. "'We got in her car, we drove down the street. "'Want to stop at the liquor store and get some more to drink? "'I'll buy it, so don't worry about paying,' she offered. "'I didn't want to drink any more than I already did.' I was already buzzed and wanted to be able to carry myself throughout the rest of the night. Sometimes I made myself look stupid when I'm drunk, so I didn't want to ruin anything with Candace more than I already did earlier with telling her my friend was too drunk. I told her I was already drunk enough, but she insisted. I didn't want to seem lame, so I told her to get me a pint of liquor with some apple juice to chase it. She went into the store and came out with a lot more than just a pint. I assumed she wanted to drink more also, and that's why she got a fifth instead of a pint. On the car ride, we passed the bottle back and forth, but she took tiny sips. I tried to take small sips, but she kept passing me the bottle and telling me to drink. I somehow managed to drink all of my apple juice, and pretend to drink the bottle by spitting the liquor in the apple juice bottle. I tossed the apple juice bottle full of liquor out the window before she saw it. I didn't want her to know I was acting drunker than I was. She actually believed I was sloppy drunk when I was simply buzzed. I took a couple more sips of liquor and finished the bottle. Throughout the car ride, I called her the wrong name a couple of times to get a reaction out of her. She didn't react to it. She just kept letting me call her Carla, without correcting me. For some reason, I thought she lied to me about her name initially. We drove up to her house. I pretended to trip and stumble into her front door. She helped me walk inside by holding me up. She opened her front door, which was unlocked. We walked into her house, she closed her front door, and then locked it. I thought that was strange, but assumed she didn't want anyone walking in on us. I told her I had to use the bathroom. I walked into her bathroom, locked the door, and looked in the mirror. I just felt strange. I felt like something was off. I felt myself becoming more drunk from finishing the bottle earlier. I turned on the sink to make noise and made myself puke up the liquor I drank. I flushed and went to the sink and started drinking the tap water out of my hands to sober up. I just didn't want to be drunk. But I still wanted to hook up with Candace, so I wanted to pretend to be drunk. I turned the sink off and I could hear her talking to someone. He's drunk as hell. He can barely stand up. You can do it. Who is she talking to? And do what? I walked out of the bathroom and into the living room. The moment I stepped into the living room, I saw her walking into another room. All I could see was the back of her head, that strange, very bright red hair, go into another room. I didn't see her face or anything, I just saw her kind of walk fast into the room. The living room was pretty dark. Hey, where are you going? I slurred like I was drunk. She walked back into the dark living room and up to me. Let's go in my room, she said. I looked at her bright red hair, and then into her eyes. They were different. Her face was different. It was another girl with the same hair. That's when I realized. It was another girl with the same wig on. It was a wig, the whole time. She had changed it with the girl from earlier for whatever reason. My heart felt like it stopped but I tried to look like I had no idea it was a different girl. I kind of smiled at her and told her I just needed to use the bathroom one more time and told her sorry, I was too drunk. She said, It's fine, just hurry up in there. I went into the bathroom and locked the door. I heard her whisper something to someone again this time. I think I heard a male voice whisper back. I honestly didn't concentrate on listening to exactly what she said. Something sketchy was going on and I had to get out of that house. I opened the bathroom window and jumped straight out of it and ran faster than I've ever ran in my life. I didn't look behind myself or anything. I just ran through the backyard, jumped the fence, ran through someone else's yard, hit the streets and ran toward the main road. I kept running down the main road until I saw a star CVS. I ran into the CVS and stood straight at the front of the store, in front of the camera. I called a taxi and went home. I tried to think what happened that night. What was she, or they, planning to do that night? Why did she tell me a fake name? Why was she trying to get my friend and I so drunk? I thought maybe a robbery. But she kept spending money on us. She kept buying us drinks and even paid for my friend's taxi cab. And, mostly, why did she wear a wig that she gave to another girl to wear? Who was she talking to? What did it mean? And what was in that room they tried to lure me into? The next day... I went back to the house with a couple of my friends. No cars were in the driveway and no one was in the house. I found out that the house was a summer rental house that would be rented out periodically to different people. Whoever the people were in that house that day broke into the house just to use it for that night.